Have you ever had a question for your pastor that is so off the wall that you're afraid to ask? Well, I'm here to ask for you. I'm your host, Hunter Brin, and this is Thousand Question Christian. Here's how it's going to work. Each week, I'm going to bring in two guest pastors, and I'm going to ask them questions in three different categories. One's going to be a stump the pastor kind of question. So imagine questions maybe atheists or agnostic might ask, or just general questions about Christianity. Two, we are going to dive into some of the weird stuff in the Bible, some of the weird Bible verses, some of the weird Bible stories, and just kind of dive into what those mean and why they're in the Bible. Three is going to be a space for me to ask for pastoral advice, where we will talk generally about subjects like prayer, dealing with grief, and aspects of faith. This week, I'm joined by Lindsay Bainham Freeman and Dan Kim. All right, introduce yourselves, guys. What churches are you guys at? Do you have any fun hobbies? Maybe a quick one? Yeah, I'm pastor of Gum Spring United Methodist Church in Gum Spring, Virginia. Um, and my favorite hobby is actually just uh, watching movies, Disney, Netflix with uh, my wife and my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, we try to catch a movie like at least three times a week. Um, and I golf. Yeah, I wouldn't have called golfing. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I I love to golf. That's you just made a lot of friends in the Virginia Annual Conference. Uh Yeah, a lot of golfing buddies. I would imagine. Yeah, you can go have (laughs) golfing and talk scripture. Yeah, (laughs) I love that. Maybe out in the field for four hours. Yeah, you get to know someone pretty. Oh, sure, (laughs) a lot. I think I'm, I think we should start a movie uh, pastor podcast where we talk just movies. I, I would totally be down for that. I would sign but up. What for about that. you, Lindsay? Where are you at? And so I currently serve as the director of clergy excellence, and in a few months I will be the pastor at Wellborn here in Richmond. Yay! Um, so excited for that and to to be in Richmond. Um, hobbies. I collect hippos. Hippos. Mm-hmm. Like. All I want for Christmas. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a hobby, but I think it's the wrong know. song. No, I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. cool. I thought two um, front teeth. <laughs> well, people are asking for that too. Okay. Um, I also really like movies. I kind of miss the like event of going to the theater. Yeah. Popcorn, all those things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Well, cool. So we're gonna dive in. And uh, let's do it. Our, our first category is kind of like the stump the pastors category. Uh, and so this one is just going to be kind of a general like faith question. And we're going to just talk about the devil. I know. And now you're both movie fans. So like I relate everything to pop culture. So when I think of the devil, I think of Tenacious D. I think of movies with the red and the horns and the pitchfork. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I also a big supernatural fan. So I think of of the devil in that. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we don't, we always talk about Jesus and God and I've never really heard, I've never heard a sermon talking about like the devil and how he became the devil. And I know there's a lot of theories of the fallen angel. So what are you guys thinking? Like, how does that work with you guys? Yeah. I, you want to start? Lindsay? You want me to start? Yeah. I'll, I'll take a stab. I will, yeah. I will own, I've never preached on it. Me so. either. <laughs> um, but I think there's allusions to Satan, um, the adversary would be another translation for that, mm-hmm. um, kind of falling from grace in a sense, um, and Old Testament references to that. 
And, and I think, you know, the most common depiction is the temptation of Jesus. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like that's a good image of mm-hmm. kind of all that the devil encompasses. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of like the uh, the Hollywood depictions yeah. of the devil, um, you know, it's, uh, it gives people, uh, I think, more scarier sort of depictions of what mm-hmm. I think the biblical depiction might be. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, there's a lot of like visuals in those Hollywoods that they're trying to grasp your attention and to make like the that. devil scary. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it's it's definitely, um, you know, uh, I would say an oppositional force, an, a- an adversarial force. Um, you know, like these words, like the Satan and uh, the devil, I mean, these are transliterations of like the Greek and the Hebrew. And so if you really want to go back into like what those terms mean, you have to go back to like the original text and like the context of, of like, Hebrew culture uh, and like their spiritual worldview. So if just a, as a second, since, you know, you made me like l- do the research on this, <laughs> yep. That's I want right. to <laughs> bring some research into this. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think you have to go back to uh, um, sort of like the biblical understanding of spiritual beings, mm. like more broadly. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you look at the Genesis one narrative, you'll see like God creating both the heavens and the earth. Right. And a lot of understanding of that, you know, uh, tends to come from, uh, um, you know, like how the world was created. But in, in that narrative, God actually creates the heavens as well. And so you have like, uh, you know, the heavenly realm created. You also have like the earthly realm created. Right. Uh, and then uh, at the very end, you know, God creates humanity. Uh, and then God has humanity sort of rule over um, this sort of Eden, this paradise, which is like an overlap of like the heavenly realm and like the earthly realm. Now, the, the serpent sort of comes in. Everyone sort of goes back to the serpent mm-hmm. as like, you know, like where the Satan comes from or like the devil might come from, right? Um, and it's interesting because in, in sort of like the, the biblical narratives, you would see uh, this theme of like uh, latecomers or this sort of second and third created or born beings um, that are given mm-hmm. authority over the first or the earlier comers, right? Mm-hmm. And so in the creation narrative, you have uh, humanity uh, who's given rule over this paradise um, or dominion over it, and some translations would say. And this serpent, um, in the sort of biblical understanding, gets kind of jealous because this serpent was created first. Yeah. Um, it was there before mm-hmm. humanity. And so uh, out of like the jealousy, I guess, or mm. uh, wanting to, you know, like, um, you know, be, uh, you know, <sighs> primarily before humanity um, and maybe even like on par with God, you know, tempts Adam and Eve uh, to this sort of fallen state that's later than uh, sort of depicted in multiple fallen narratives uh, in scripture. And I kind of want to go back to yeah. the, the, I think, you bringing up the story of creation is really interesting because, like, all, during my research, you do read that he created God, the heavens first, and that I imagine that as like the demons and he, uh, angels, and then it says like on the next day in the Bible, right? It's mm-hmm. like it takes seven days. Mm-hmm. Well, so like, if the devil is a fallen angel, how much time? Because I imagine there's like some kind of weird holy war, and I bring this because during my research for this. I found I ended up on this really weird Reddit 
where mm-hmm. it was talking about gap theory and like okay. how there's this huge gap of time between creating of heaven and the world mm-hmm. and how there's this holy war and that's when Lucifer had fallen. And I don't know if that's something that they teach you guys in seminary or that's something that you guys would even be able to talk about. But is that something you guys have heard at least? So not with authority, but what I will say is, um, or I won't speak to it with authority, is that what blew my mind in seminary was like, and I wouldn't say that I'm a literal reader of the Bible, mm-hmm. but like the the undoing of what a day means. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to like gap theory and things like that, I'm like, oh yeah, like we're thinking 24 hours, mm-hmm. but it could have been eons it, i mean yeah, yeah like to put a time on it is mm-hmm. what i mean it sounds trite now but at the time it was like oh yeah yeah well you know like that could have been a a span of time um, and i think it allows for okay and what happened after the creation of the heavens yeah and, and then how, the earth <laughs> and i've kind of thought about that and that in my head that's how i kind of explain evolution like you know people will come up and they say big bang theory we started as a cell and then it kind of moved its way up and, and they're like, yeah. in my head, I'm thinking, well, if God created the Big Bang, that could have been just one day. The mm-hmm. evolution can fit in one day, and that could be God's version of a day, whereas ours is 24 hours. Because yeah. if it is only 24 hours in God's terms, that in the gap theory is real. That's a, the world's fastest war. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bottom well, line. <laughs> it's like five minutes, and, and it's over. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I definitely agree with you, Lindsay. I, I think... Um, you know, I don't, I don't take the the scripture sort of scientifically, literally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, but I do take parts of it very literally. You yes, know, love your neighbor. I'm going to take that pretty literally, yeah, not I'm metaphorically. Do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But to read Genesis in the creation narrative scientifically, literally, I think is just a wrongheaded way of understanding mm-hmm. that text. Um, but uh, there is a way of understanding uh, the creation narrative um, in a way that helps us order our lives in the in sort of like a vision. Mm-hmm for how God intended the world to be and how it's not today. Right. Um, and so, you know, just going back to this sort of like serpent uh, thing, you know, like the, these were, you know, we were supposed to have these right relationships, you know, with God's creation, mm-hmm. with one another. Uh, and this serpent who, you know, if we want to go back to, uh, we we'll, might talk about it later, this sort of fallen nature mm-hmm. of the serpent, you know, telling Adam and Eve, you know, oh, that are you sure that's what God says and stuff yeah. like that, introducing doubt, introducing sort of like division, mm-hmm. um, you know, between not just them two, Adam and Eve, but also, you know, them and God. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's a story uh, that plays itself over and over again sort of in our lives. Um, and, and I think that's what the, the sort of creation narrative does is, is it, is it, it, it's con you read it constantly and you realize how much our lives mirror the sort of what happened in the very beginning Mm -hmm. because we're still very much affected by it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, uh, as I was preparing to be with you all, I was like, it kind of is all downhill after the fall. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like (laughs) it's kind of all downhill, of course. Spoiler alert, until Jesus, yeah. you know, <laughs> and there's and there's lots of grace and redemption in between. But, yeah, I think even now our lives, I like how you said that, can mirror that moment of doubt or insecurity or separation yeah. that happened in the garden. Yeah. I love the spoiler alert part. <laughs> I was I was uh, one of my favorite things now is to, I, I do Instagram reels, which is basically just TikTok, but I'm too old to be on TikTok. 
nuts. <laughs> At least I think I'm too no, old to be on not. TikTok. No, uh, you're not. <laughs> but so uh, I saw a really funny, like, I follow a bunch of Kristen Instagram posts, and I yeah. saw a really funny uh, reel the other day that was, it was like a Bible study. Mm-hmm. And, and he goes, and then when Jesus died for us, one of the guy goes, <gasps> Jesus dies? He goes, don't tell me who it was. It was Judas, wasn't it? It's just really funny. I just like, that is, yeah. it's like the world's greatest it. story, but yeah, it's, it's just like, amazing. Hey. I, that's what it reminded me of. My head went there. Sorry to get totally it's off track. It's all good. No. It's all good. But to kind of bring it back to like how pop culture makes the devil look, and um, this is going to be kind of a weird question mm. because I think of like the devil went down to Georgia and like making a deal with the devil. Mm. Is there anything in the Bible that has anything to do with making a deal with the devil not that i'm or aware is that a folklore of? kind of thing yeah i think yeah. making a deal with the devil it all stems from you know like um the biblical depictions of the devil being a being which is true mm-hmm. the devil is like a this being um both spiritual and taking manifestations of tangible mm-hmm. sort of being embodied beings um and and you know you can have you can have conversation. You can talk with you know uh, with the devil or you know the Satan. Um, uh, you know uh, Jesus. You know in the wilderness being tempted has this sort of like deep theological conversation yeah. uh, with uh, the the adversary, the tempter right. there. Um, so yeah, I mean it, it just all comes from the fact that you know the the biblical narrative um, has a depiction of the devil as a sort of. Um, embodied being in which you can interact with. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. I, that that brings a lot of like thoughts to my man, mind, and like kind of makes me feel better about it. Yeah. Well, and I think <laughs> Not you that's know, why I'm here, but from the very that's right. From the very beginning, the theme of good and evil is introduced, and so for me to hear, oh, made a deal with the devil, is to do not only what's not good, but from our theological understanding and what we understand of God to do that, which is not of God. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and just to further separate ourselves knowing full well of God's grace of God's invitation. But like for me to make a deal with the devil is to actively say no Mm -hmm. and do what is not good or of God. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, yeah. Gosh, it, the the biblical depiction of uh, the Satan or the devil, mm-hmm. you know, this adversary is just it's so complex and interwoven sure. into the sort of fabric of our world. Yes, um, and and uh, it, it's primarily the way that I understand it a sort of rebellious force, mm-hmm. um, asking us to sort of like rebel against the primary order that God set up yeah. and who God is mm-hmm. to us in our lives. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I, sometimes making a deal with the devil for me is like, you know, do I sort of, uh, you know, uh, justify certain actions that I know I shouldn't be doing within myself because the tempter is constantly asking, mm-hmm. you know, within me or uh, asking me to do something that I shouldn't be doing or, um, you know, right. or ignoring things that I should be doing. It's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so... I kind of want to like, you know, I'm thinking of the story Job and re- and remind me if I get yeah. this wrong because I haven't read Job in a while. So I'm a terrible Christian. Shout out to Job. <laughs> <laughs> so the story of Job was, wasn't it kind of like God and the devil had made a bet and said, mm-hmm. 
you know, let's make this guy's life terrible and he will not turn away from, from God. And isn't that, that, that was the devil's doing, correct? Yeah. I mean, they're kind of like, Hey, I bet you anything. If this happens to your like most trusted, obedient, faithful person, they will turn away from you. And God says, bet, you know? (laughs) Um, and, but yeah, it's kind of this instigating or this rebellion, this rebellious nature. I like that language Mm -hmm. of, Hey, I bet I can make this person turn away from you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Job is such an interesting book. It really Um, is. (laughs) uh, Every time I read it, I, I learn something new. Um, but so I think Job, again, is another example of this, um, this order of the world, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are heavenly beings and there's like this heavenly court uh, and this sort of adversary, this tempter, yeah. this sort of instigator is a part of the heavenly court. You know, God's like, hey, like, where did you come from? You know, it's like this satanic sort of being uh-huh. is like meandering around and has to strikes up this conversation with God and God's not surprised at all mm-hmm. about this conversation. So, um, I mean, I, I think we like to think of, it's this weird sort of paradox that like uh, evil and the Satan and the devil is, is yeah, it's, it's absolutely an oppositional force for like the, the goodness and, and, and the awesomeness of God. Mm-hmm. Um, but the biblical narrative of it is way more sort of nuanced than that because in some ways they're like in cahoots. They like sort of work together. They know each other. They know yeah. each other, yeah. I almost kind of feel like God takes a little bit of pity and like, or like, or he, he is, it's like a little brother that you still love, but like, kind of feel well, bad. Well, he's still for. invited to the heavenly court. Yeah, yeah. Whether yeah. well, invited might be too strong, but he's there. Yeah, yeah. Dan's point, you know. Uh, now, still explain connected. The, explain just real quickly, explain the heavenly court because I don't know what that is. Yeah, well, okay. Um <laughs> so the heavenly court, you know, so you, you have all of these um uh, you know, mosaic images, you know, of what the heavens might look like mm. in scripture. Um, the heavenly core uh, is one one image of what heaven, you know, in the sort of realm of God might look like. So, you know, the heavenly court is oftentimes, uh, you know, with God sitting on a throne, you know, and have all these like cherubim and seraphim and, you know, a heavenly hosts sort of praising holy, holy, and then holy, holy, holy. So it has to be three times. Um, <laughs> and uh, um, it's a it's a sort of place of judgment. It's a it's a a, a place of where you know God just rules uh, and gives orders and commands and stuff like that. Interesting. So it's like a command center for for heaven. Yeah. 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 Well, and then you have you have Jesus ascending to be at the right hand of the Father. Yeah. Um, and so it's this kind it's this place of business. I mm-hmm. wouldn't. I feel like that contains it too much because it's. <laughs> It's worship, it's conversation, it's decision, it's beyond my even imagination. Mm-hmm. But I think when it's depicted, it's um, otherworldly and glorious. Yeah. I was laughing because I uh, imagine like God and Jesus and the devil and all of them using Robert's Rules of Order. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope not. <laughs> yeah. Can I Let's get a second? Not. That's right. <laughs> um, well, cool. So we're going to continue on to our weird Bible story. And I'm going to read this one from my Bible. And this is the New Living Translation. And I think one of the podcast episodes I want to do in the next in the future is to talk about translations in the Bible. And That'd I be think cool. that'll be fun because mm-hmm. I heard that is a, a fun topic to have with 
They clergy. cut the whole thing, yeah. All right, so I am going to read. It is Luke chapter 12, verses 51 to 53. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I'll read it really quickly. Do you think I have come to bring peace? And mind you, this is Jesus speaking. <laughs> Do you think I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I have come to divide people against each other. From now on, families will split apart, three in favor of me and two against, or two in favor and three against. Father will be divided against son, and the son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, and mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. And that's it. I just, I was looking, um, I have these awkward Bible moments, uh, children books, and I always reference them, and I show you guys the photo that goes along with this one. <laughs> it is a time for family, and it is Jesus hanging out by it. It looks like it's like a mixture of Christmas and Thanksgiving, and everything's on fire, and everyone's yelling at each other. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, to our listeners, the Christmas tree is actively on fire. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and the family portrait. They get, there's a big sword into the turkey. Oh, yeah. Um, spilled, spilled uh, it looks like wine. But um, I was reading... I, I had seen this and I was like, that that doesn't seem right to me. Like Jesus actually said that I'm not the print, I'm not here to bring peace and I'm here to divide your family. Yeah. And that's like something that when we were doing the research for this podcast, I like actively felt uncomfortable about. Yeah. So I want to talk to you guys about it. So what, what could that mean? Like, cause it just feels kind of like Jesus is being a jerk a little bit. <laughs> and I'm that's human. his prerogative. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I would say, like, my first, um, when I was reading that, because, again, I've never preached on that, or it's never been in the lectionary, to my knowledge. Yeah. Um, but my first instinct was, like, whoa. But also, I do not believe Jesus is for separation. Yeah. Yeah. So what's going on here? Um, and then I started to think about all the ways throughout the Gospels that Jesus is talking about the sheep and the goats, mm. or separating separating out the wheat from, you know, like this, there's always this dual nature into some of his, and some of his stories and teachings, and um, especially around judgment, mm. and like the time that is to come. So part of me was very taken aback by this passage, and then part of me was like, no, this is classic Jesus talking about what's to come, mm-hmm. both in the end of time and in his own life, mm-hmm. kind of looking towards the cross. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I, I like that. How um like there there will be a sort of separation and judgment at the end. Um and Jesus being the sort of judge of that. I I, I just know that it happens. I just I don't know like who, what, or how. Right. Um, <laughs> like that's why I don't entertain sort of like who's going to be in or out on that. Yeah, um, for sure. But yeah, this this passage, I've never preached on it either, but the way that I read it and the way that I would preach it mm-hmm. is that uh, conflict is inevitable. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, trying to follow Jesus mm-hmm. to the best of your ability. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, you're going to get, you know, people who will disagree with you, people who will, you know, push back against you, especially if you believe that Jesus is for peace, which I think, you know, ultimately Jesus's purpose is for peace and for Mm -hmm. reconciliation. Mm -hmm. Um, But the, um, but, you know, just because you're called to be peacemakers, 
you know, it doesn't necessarily mean you're called to make nice uh, with mm. everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you're going to have to push back or you'll be, you'll be pushed back uh, because you, you're doing and you're, you're saying what's right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's what I think what Jesus is trying to say is that, you know, uh, to, to be a follower of Jesus, you better expect conflict mm-hmm. and division, even among those whom you love so much. Mm-hmm. Um, because following me is, is a sort of, um, I mean, gosh, it is an upsetting of the status quo, isn't it? And people are so comfortable with the status quo. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, so doing the research and like with me being so uncomfortable with the first, yeah. the, the passage in Luke, I also realized that it says it almost word for word again in Matthew. Mm-hmm. And, but, and I, and I, and this is something that I, I don't have a whole lot of experience with. And I talked to my wife about it and she was like, yeah, sometimes Luke's a little, like a little bit more. Like he leaves stuff out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. At least that's how she said it. And Hannah, if you're listening to this, and I just put you on blast, <laughs> I apologize. Um, because in Matthew, like it's in chapter 10, um, it's the sending out of the 12 apostles. Oh. Mm-hmm. And like it also is talking about um, like going in front of a court. Like it almost to me reads like a, there's a, like I kind of agree with you, Dan, where it's like, this is this is a good chance this is going to happen to you mm-hmm. if you go against the status quo. Like he's talking about brothers dragging each other in front of a judge and mm-hmm. like the things that could go wrong if you're different from everyone else. So I kind of think that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, presumably uh, you could read Jesus uh, has sort of conflicts with his own family members mm-hmm. while he's in ministry. Uh, you know, when his mother and, and uh, family members go up to him and was like, hey, like you need to eat or, or and he's like, uh, you know, or, and then they, the disciples, you know, say, look, it's your mother who's calling to you. And then Jesus is like, who are my mother yeah, and my family and brothers mother. and sisters? Oh boy. Yeah. Talk about, you know, <laughs> like a, a weird um, um, uh, biblical passage. Yeah. I, you know, I'm blessed because I come from a Christian family and all mm. of my friends are you know, mm-hmm. trying to be the best they can, followers of Jesus. So I, uh, I don't imagine what it would be. I can't imagine what it would be like to be like the only follower of Jesus in sort yeah. of like your your network, mm-hmm. um, you know, or even the only follower of Jesus, like you know, within the culture more broadly, like in sort of nations and in, in, in countries that aren't predominantly right, you know, Christian, Christian, um, right. and the kinds of conflicts that that will invite. To being a follower of Jesus, mm-hmm. it's interesting. I think I just I just find it really interesting that I've this is one of the first times, and I might like I don't read the Bible very often. I can be admitted to that. I have been not a great person at reading the Bible, but through doing this podcast, I've actively searched for weird things in the Bible, <laughs> and that has brought me to to parts in the Bible where I've kind of had to wrestle with a little yeah. bit. There's a lot of stuff in there that I'm just like this makes me feel very uncomfortable, but this was the first one that I had to like go. Like I was like, okay, I'm going to Google this because of the stuff that's happening in our nation at the moment with, right. with race and the political divide. Mm-hmm. So in my head, I'm thinking like I read first Luke and I was just, I was like, so God's kind of cool with all of this <laughs> and being the United church. I am mm-hmm. always like trying to think of, you know, how could we become united in unity and, uh, all become Christians. And I just felt it was really odd to me mm-hmm. that I had read that in the Bible and that mm. it just made me feel uncomfortable. Is there any like scriptures that when you guys first read it, it was like this, this hurts in my heart a little bit. 
Yeah. I know I just put you on blast and I didn't give you any time to prepare. Um, Does that hurt? Yeah. If you have, listener, if you have a scripture that has hurt you, feel free to email us. Yeah. Yeah. Or comment. Oh, man, I, I can, uh, yeah, I mean, I can, I can, I can think of a few, um, I can think of a few that Christians, that other of my sort of genuine loving, you know, good-willed Christians would use to just, you know, make boundaries and, mm-hmm. you know, to exclude others, uh, you know, from, from, from anything, mm-hmm. from anything, you know, I, I read this meme the other day or this quote and, and I absolutely want to live into it. It's at the end of the day, you know, I'd, I'd rather be excluded for who I include, you know, mm-hmm. than included for who I exclude. Mm-hmm. Um, and so pa- the people will use passages of scripture. You can pick one cause there's a whole bunch sure. mm-hmm. uh, out there to sort of support, you know, their, their, their justification for who's in and who's out. Mm-hmm. And that hurts. Mm-hmm. Uh, anytime any passage is used in that way. Because for me, uh, you know, Scripture, you know, as a whole and, and who God is to me uh, is, a, is, a, is a reconciling power. It, it is a, a unifying power. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see God more when I see people come together, um, uh, you know, despite the differences. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but not when they're torn apart. Yeah, no, I would, I would echo that. The Scriptures used... Against again, pick a group, yeah, um, or ones that um, do not honor the sacredness of our created bodies, mm-hmm. um, where bodies were just used or claimed or discarded. Um, mm-hmm. That that hurts me. Yeah, that hurts me. But well, cool. So we will. Um, thank you for having yeah. this discussion. Yeah. Sure. Um, we're going to move on to pastoral advice and this is just going to be like, if someone comes into your office and asks you for a question or help, what would you say? So, um, if you were, if I was to be a congregation member and came into your office and said, Hey, I'm looking for a devotional, uh, or a bio, I feel like what's it. So I guess let's start with the difference between a devotional and a Bible study. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I know you guys aren't Cokesbury or anything, so I don't know how much you'd be able to speak to this. But like, we actually work for Cokes. No, <laughs> <laughs> all Christians are, te- are technically That's Cokesbury right. employees. Right. Um, right. So, what what's the difference between a devotional and a Bible study? Um, for, you know, for me, I think a devotional is going to. They're both going to expound on the scripture. Obviously, you know, they're both going to be um, saying more beyond the text. Um, and I think a devotional um, can be shorter, can be more um, narrative-driven, maybe more poetic, mm-hmm. um, and just can have different stylistically. And I feel like for Bible study, they're not all the same, um, but it is, I would say it's tied closer to the Scripture. I want to be careful the way I say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it might have more of like, what we've talked about today of like, no, what is the Greek text saying here? Or um, what was happening culturally? Or so, um, and I also want to be careful not to say more academic, although sometimes they feel that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think they have more in common than they do different. Yes. Um, you know, you, you, they're, I, I, but the, you know, I, I, 
instinctively, I want to say that devotionals are sort of more personal in nature. Um, That's a good distinction. Uh, you know, like the Bible studies are, I, I mean, it's not that you can't do one on your own, but mm-hmm. I've always recommended that people do it with someone, yes. uh, you know, have a study together in a community because, uh, you know, the scripture comes out best when it's in, in community in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, devotionals, gosh, they're, they're, for me, always used in conjunction with a prayer for quiet time. So it's, it's always been pers- more personal in that way. Bible studies, I'm so used to leading them uh, <laughs> than participating, which is, you know, the unfortunate consequence of being a pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so that's why I'm like, uh, I, I prefer devotionals than I do Bible mm-hmm. studies because I get more out of it. Oh, totally. Totally. So I guess you just kind of answered my question about like, if I was looking, if I was to come to you and say, should I get a devotional or a Bible study? What would your like follow up question be? Is it more of do you want to dig deep and like get into the scripture, or do you want to have a prayerful time? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and perhaps with that, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Like something happened with your job or mm-hmm. your family or um, your marriage or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'd I'd want to know a little bit more, but I'm always going to recommend um, for from my seat, uh, a rhythmic nature to be connected to God through prayer yeah. and study and devotion. Yeah, absolutely. I love that sort of like searching question in the very beginning. Like, you know, what do you want to use this for? Uh, I would, man, if someone came into my office and said, I'm looking for a devotion, I'd be like, yes, <laughs> you want to grow in your faith. Uh, yeah, there'd be a, a little dance. <laughs> yeah, you know? there'd be a celebration. <laughs> yes. Um, and then, I, I, you know, practically, I'd be, I'd be like, well, yeah, you know, what, what are you going through? And what are some of the topics that you're interested in? You know, um, uh, honestly, I, I Googled that very question that you're asking here. Mm. Like, what, what devotionals are out there and popular? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it, shamelessly plugging southernliving.com. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, here's a few really, really good ones. Uh, okay. Jesus Calling by Sarah Young. Live in Grace, Walk in Love by Bob Goff. Uh, Embrace by Lisa Turquist, um, uh, Unshakable by Christine Kane. I mean, gosh, there's what I love about where we are is that you know there's a plethora of devotionals out there that that I think are, um, you know, they're they're, you know, I'm I'm very much like I'm not trying to be. I don't want to be micromanaging of people's spiritual life. Mm-hmm. You right. know, like right. I just want to release them to search God for their own. You know, and, and b- provide them resources. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to say one's better or mm-hmm. worse than the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think God will be with you in the search for a devotional, and God will bring you the one that you need at that time. Mm-hmm. And so, only you know where to start, Yeah. right, um, of how much time you're going to start devoting to this space. And, yeah, only you can answer that for yourself. Yeah, yeah. So let's say someone's the other side of the coin and says, I'm looking for a Bible study What's the best way to approach looking for a Bible study? Is it based on topic? Is it like, uh, I want to talk about the Gospels. Let's find one on the Gospels. Or is it something where it's like, I want to look at the weird, weird stories in the Bible. Help me find a, like, where Gosh. do you guys, like. You can find a Bible study on anything. Yeah. Right? yeah. When a lot of people are doing, because books are written this way now in the Christian realm, you can take a book and make it a Bible study. Yeah, yeah. Like that when you when you mean a book, as in like a book of the Bible or no. like the shack. Good. Yeah. The sh- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the shack. Yes. To both of those things. So like 
Shameless plug for Tom Berlin. Hey, Tom. Um, he writes a lot of books that are full of scripture. And I know a lot of folks use those for Bible studies because they have a strong theological foundation. Yeah. Adam Hamilton, whomever you want to reference. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that's, an, because then you see it in sermon series too. So I feel like that's an approachable way for people who are looking for themes beyond, oh, the book of Romans, mm-hmm. right? So you can do either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So personal question what kind of devotionals do pastors typically use? Mm. If, if you do devotionals at all, I don't know. This is where it comes out. We don't. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We do. We, we need to do more. <laughs> need to, yes, that's real. Um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, yeah. Or are you more of a Bible study person where you'd rather do a Bible study versus a devotional? I'm with Dan. I'd love to do a Bible study if I'm not leading it. Yeah. I really enjoy teaching and leading Bible studies and that kind of ongoing formation, but I do grieve not being in a Bible study. It's been a long time. Yeah. Um, so I'm hearing the, the conference should start uh, pastor Bible studies where we have someone lead a Bible study for pastors. Yeah. That would be awesome. I'm not opposed to it. Um, yeah. yeah. My, my name, my, the, my, the name that comes to my mind is RJ, if you're listening. <laughs> That sounds up your alley, or maybe Nikki. Right, but then they don't get to participate. That is true. It's hard because one person's always going to be the leader. We can get a lay person. Yeah, yeah. Clergy, maybe like some of the Martha Stokes. And now Zoom is so cool. So you can do it over Zoom. Uh Yeah, it'd be interesting. But so if you guys were going to do a Bible study, what would you want to study? Because if you read a lot of scripture already. Is there a certain part of the Bible that you would be like, I'd like to, to dive more into this? Yeah. That's hard. Because like, that's like saying, like, I'm going to teach the professor. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why, but I really want to do a Bible study on, like, the Song of Solomon. Only because I just, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. encounter that so many times. Mm-hmm. And I really want to learn more about that. I heard there's some really interesting language uh, for you, Hunter, to sort of search and to, oh, you, uh, you know, okay. like stump the pastor on that. Um, nice. Yeah, I did something uh, a little bit more obscure. Um, maybe even a Bible study on something like the, uh, you know, um, pseudo figure, pseudo, uh, the extra canonical stuff. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, like Ezra's and Baruch and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. That'd be really cool. Interesting. Yeah, the first thing that came to mind was the minor prophets, or as I call them, the little prophets. So like (laughs) Amos, Hosea, (laughs) kind of towards the New Testament. Um, Sounds like a really fun Nickelodeon show. (laughs) The little prophets, they saved the day. Um, But I'm just, I feel like other than a seminary class, I have not spent time like just kind of exploring those. Yeah. So. Cool. Well, thank you for coming on. And what I like to do is uh, give you guys an opportunity to say what you guys have going on in your offices or churches, Uh, whether that be a ministry you guys have going on or if you're about to start a sermon series online that people can join in. Um, So, Lindsay, I'll let you go first. Do you have anything going on in your office that people should know about? Sure. So in partnership with uh, the cabinet and the bishop's office, we are launching an initiative, Reignite the Call, Um, resourcing clergy, knowing that resources are coming at you from all directions, um, but really things to help support you and sustain you in ministry. Um, And then we have a one-day event on May 24th for all the clergy to gather virtually. Awesome. Cool. Looking forward to that. Yeah. 
Um, I, I probably want to use this platform to do anything uh, to highlight a, a a ministry, I guess, a quote unquote ministry, or actually a nonprofit that's not related to Gumspring. Okay. okay. Um, uh, I mean, you know, Gumspring. I love my church. We do all sorts of amazing things, like food pantries and wonderful Wednesdays. But let me lift up uh, Goochson Cares. Um, you know, it's a nonprofit organization that just offers basic human. Uh, services, you know, in healthcare, you know, in the Goochland and surrounding community, uh, goochlandcares.org. Um, and they do so much more uh, than I could ever even have time to sort of expound on right now. Um, but they're, they're always using help, you know, for their clothes closets, their own food pantries, their free clinics, you know, their transportation services. So goochlandcares.org, look awesome. it up. Awesome. And you can find this podcast anywhere on Apple, Spotify, Google. Uh, I think it's on iHeartRadio, Slacker, I think it's one on, our, on the VAUMC.org website. Uh, but thank you, Lindsay. Thank you, Dan Kim, for coming in. Hey, thanks for the invitation. Thank you. See you guys next time.